Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, first up on this edition, there has been a dramatic rise in homeschooling over the past couple of years, including parents who have begun to teach their kids at home as the direct result of the pandemic. Yvette Hampton is part of a movie project that highlights reasons for homeschooling and contributing factors to its success. You'll be hearing from her ahead. Then some comments from Bethany Jett, who explores some aspects of the mother and son relationship and discusses how mothers using God's resources can help to prepare their sons for the battles they may face. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's Jeff Peters of Operation Mobilization and the Mission Gap Project, helping to bridge a gap between God's call and our activity. He shares about the equipping that God gives to believers to fulfill our calling. Finally, Danny Ray is an illusionist and uses illusion to illustrate truth that is consistent with the Bible. He realizes that there are bedrock truths that can be applied in a marriage relationship and offers some principles that can be useful in building a strong marriage. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Yvette Hampton was a reluctant homeschooler, but God changed her heart, and a number of years ago, she, her husband, and their family went on an extended road trip to make a movie about homeschooling. She is the producer and host of the documentary called Schoolhouse Rocked, The Homeschool Revolution, as well as the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. In a recent conversation, she shared about the background and content of the movie, as well as the central messages of it. Here now is Yvette Hampton. It kind of parallels three stories. So it's got the story of our family, and it literally shows us the day that we leave California driving out, you know, from my brother-in-law's house. Actually, we stayed with them the last couple of weeks we were there as we were tying everything up after we had sold our home. So it shows us driving out of their neighborhood in our trailer that we lived in and um, hitting the road. And then it, it sh- it's really neat because it, it, it starts out the very beginning of the movie starts with our girls very, very young, which was before we started filming for the movie. But it's just basically home video that we took on our iPhones that, of course, we never intended to be in a movie. <laughs> it was just, you know, mom's got her camera out and, you know, the girls are dancing and doing cute things and riding bikes and skipping and things like that. So it opens up with our girls at a very young age. Um, there's even a part where it shows, you know, us, you know, seeing Lacey, my youngest for the first time on an ultrasound and things like that. So it kind of follows the very early years where we're talking about how we would never homeschool. And then it, it shows the progression of us traveling through the making of the movie. And it's neat. Cause you got, you get to kind of see my girls grow up a little bit as we're filming the movie and on the road. And, um, and then at the end of the movie, I think the last photo of our girls, um, quick video and photo of them was last school year um, with my oldest going into ninth grade and my youngest going into fourth grade. And so it shows them all the way from, you know, pre pre-born to, you know, fourth grade and ninth grade. And, um, and it talks about our journey of going from, we said we'd never homeschool to now we are homeschool advocates and really trying to help open parents' eyes to the blessings and benefits of homeschooling. And then also somewhat parallels the story of Heidi St. John and her family, not as much, but a little bit. She talks about how, you know, of course they also said they wouldn't homeschool, went into it reluctantly. And now they've got seven kids that they've homeschooled. And so we actually filmed out there in their home, um, 
for a couple of weeks in Washington. And it was neat to be able to be in their home and actually see, you know, what their family is now and, and, and what has come of her 20 something years of homeschooling. Um, and then of course, the rest of the story is all of our interviews and cast members and them telling their stories as well. And so, um, yeah, it just kind of ties together all of the ideas and thoughts of a couple of homeschool families. Um, and then why homeschooling is, is such a great option. So as we conclude, give us an idea about, as you filmed the footage, you obviously had a plan, an outline, I would imagine, as you were trying to put this all together, as God opened up the doors and you generated all this content and these conversations and visits with people face-to-face. So as you took all of that content and put it together into a documentary, what would you say would be the principal messages that it communicates? Sure. Um, I think the principal messages that we really want to communicate is that parents are responsible for the upbringing of their children. Our children do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the government. They belong to mom and dad. And God has given us everything we need and equipped us with all that we need to raise up our kids in Christ likeness without fear. Um, you know, I, we often talk about Matthew 6, 33, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. And, and just the other morning I woke up actually, and I was thinking about the story of, uh, the fish and the loaves. And this is actually part of the movie, but I was thinking about this again, the other day that, you know, all we can do is bring to him the little bit that we have, you know, just the fish and the loaves. We don't have everything. We don't have to have everything. We don't have to have the answers to everything but just trust the Lord and he's going to multiply our efforts. He's going to bless us for our obedience to raising up our children. And, um, and so we really want to call parents to account and then give them the encouragement that they need to know that they absolutely can do this. And in the movie, it, it's a pro homeschool movie. So we debunk all of the misconceptions. We talk about, you know, salt and light, you know, cause of course that's one of the arguments are, you know, Christian kids need to be in the public school system because they need to have salt and light in those systems. So we talk about that. We talk about, you know, the single mom who's homeschooling and the parent who has a child who might have some sort of learning disability. Um, we talk about socialization, all of the things that people question. We answer all of those questions in the movie and then just bring that encouragement that validates the parent who is already homeschooling, but then answers all the questions for the parent who's not yet homeschooling. Maybe they're on the fence and just looking for another option to traditional school. Yvette Hampton here on The Intersection. You can find out more at the website schoolhouserocked.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the co-author of the book, Navigating Minefields, A Young Man's Blueprint for Success on Life's Battlefield. Her name is Bethany Jett, and in a recent conversation, she provided perspective on the challenges that teens and young men are facing and how mothers can be involved. From that conversation, this is Bethany Jett now. I'm trying to get my kids to read just a chapter, very short chapters, in the car on the way to school. Mm -hmm. Um, But we specifically wrote it with a boy in mind. So the voice is a little bit different than we're both used to writing since we both write for women. Um, The language and tone is a little bit different because we didn't want boys to read it and feel like their mom was talking to them. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, leadership is one of the components of this book, Navigating Minefields. And give us a broad view, if you would. There are those that say that that young men perhaps today aren't 
rising up to assume the leadership roles that God has given to them. Talk about the impact of that on our culture. I think we're seeing some devastating effects when when men aren't being the leaders in their home or even in, in the workplace, too. But I think some of this is, is what we discussed right at the beginning of the program, is that right now it's a little bit confusing about what what is a boy supposed to grow up and become and what is a man's role and how does that jive with feminism and all these hot topics that are being talked about right now. And one thing in the book that we talk about, but then also as parents is, you know, God wants boys to grow up to be young men, to grow up to be men, and eventually the leaders of their home. And so the character that we can help build into them and those traits that we can, as we're guiding them, instill in them are the ones that they're going to need when they get older. And I think that if we don't do that, we're going to have more of the same of what's going on right now. As I understand it in the book, you actually isolate three villains of leadership. So please share with me what those are and also how those can be addressed. Yep, so three villains. The first one is dominance. And um, the hero, (laughs) if dominance is the villain, um, confidence is the hero. And I think sometimes boys think that they have to go in and be macho or They have to be, you know, kind of strut around and be the big guy. But really, strength is shown in multiple ways. And if you can be confident, it means you don't necessarily have to be the one yelling or the one that's the strongest in the room. A lot of times it's the, you know, the guy sitting in the table that everyone listens when they talk. That's the person who has control of the room. So confidence is more important, not necessarily dominance. Um, The second villain is arrogance. And I think in leadership, we see a lot of people get to a position where they're managing or they've you know, go into a new leadership role and ego takes over. And so the hero um, for there would be empathy and service. So if we can teach our boys and our girls, really, that to be a leader means that you're serving the people who are working for you and with you, that's a much better way to lead. And then the third one is deceitfulness. Because a lot of times when you go into leadership positions, there's it can feel like there's a lot of gray area. And so the hero there would be integrity and trust. And so making sure that people can trust you and that your word means something can help kind of steer you around when the, when the world gets a little gray, (laughs) your reputation for having integrity can help a lot. And as we look at these elements that help to overcome the, the villains of leadership, confidence, empathy, and service, integrity, these are obviously characteristics that are consistent with the scriptures, with with some of the virtues that God would want to develop in really all of us. So how do you see that a mom can really encourage the development of those virtues or those characteristics in their sons? I think if we can tell our boys, when, they, when we see them acting in a way that is positive, when we see one of those character traits come out, if we can identify it and tell them how proud we are for, you know, they helped, they helped someone out or um, encouraging them to sit with the new kid at school or someone, you know, is there somebody at lunch who's sitting by themselves and can you go sit with them? And then following up on that conversation, did you make a new friend? Did you find out? And kind of looking for opportunities to give them ideas on how they can branch out into sort of that empathy um, type. And then also with the trust, in our house, we talk about trust like a vase. And so if, you know, one of the boys lies or they don't do their homework or, you know, something happens, um, they, they break the vase. 
of trust and we have to build it back together. And so even last night I told my son, I said, look, you did great this week. And that base is getting rebuilt because it takes a long time to build back trust in such a short amount of time to break it. And that's kind of the visual picture we use. Bethany Jett here on The Intersection. She co-authored the book with Victoria Durstock. You can find out more by going to the website bethanyjett.com. You are listening to The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more at meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you could go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. There are also links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the iTunes or Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. You can search for Faith Radio Podcast at Amazon Music or Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or tune in. Moving on now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, I had the chance recently to catch up with Jeff Peters. He serves as the Chief Marketing Officer of Operation Mobilization and Director of the Mission Gap Project. He related information about the book, The Family Business, a parable about stepping into the life you were made for, encouraging people to embrace the call of God in their lives. From that conversation, this is Jeff Peters now. The book itself is not a research read, and that was very intentional. Uh, I've read research books. I love research, and even there comes a point for myself when I have, I've had enough. I just I can't process any more data. So we decided to take a very different approach with the writing of this book. Instead of just laying out data, what we've done is we've actually crafted a parable set in the, in the story of an aging hardware store owner from Iowa by the name of Jesse. Jesse is a father who wants nothing more than his children to step into the family business. He's got five adult children, each of whom have their own place in life right now. They're off doing different things with their careers, but he brings them all back together and he says, kids, I'm getting up there in age. I want each of you to step into this family business. I want my mission to become your mission. Um, And as the book kind of carries forward from that point to that invitation, each of the five children wrestle with different fears, different understandings, different different struggles uh, when they consider the idea of stepping into their father's business. And so that is where the parable, if you will, unfolds. It is five children being asked to step into their father's business, just like you and I have been invited and asked to step into our Heavenly Father's family business throughout the world. You said that very nicely as far as the the premise of this book, the premise of the parable. And tell me this, why is it that you chose to go in that direction rather than to do a, a nonfiction book, if you will? You know, for myself, 
growing up in the church, uh, I always loved the parables. I think mm. I, I think we all love, everybody loves a good story, right? And I think that's one of the most powerful things about what Christ did is by shaping the gospel message uh, through parables. By now, sometimes he told it straight, right? Just here, here it is. But oftentimes he told his message in parables. And what I've discovered is even the parables that I remember from the time that I was a kid, if I reread them now, or if I've reread them at different points in my life, depending upon what's going on in my life, depending upon the context of how things are going, where I'm at in in my own life and, and, and journey at that point, I'm picking up different pieces from the parable. Things are connecting differently in my life at, at that given time. And so we chose parable because really we didn't want to prescribe a one-size-fits-all solution. We wanted to put it out there and say, look, this is what God has said to us. He has said, go and make disciples. Live for my love in the world. <laughs> like get it out there as far and wide as you can. But we, get, we know that so many people struggle to do that. And so we didn't want to try to speak into your one person specific context or another person specific context. We wanted to lay the parable out there and allow the work of the Holy Spirit mm. and allow the work of individuals reading this to go, okay, I can connect these dots for myself. This is, this is what I'm picking up on. And so far we've heard from a number of people who, who identify with one child or another in the story. Uh, and it seems to be having uh, the types of conversations Uh, floated to the top that we were hoping would float to the top. Jeff Peters here on The Intersection, and you can learn more through the website, thefamilybusinessparable.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection, it's illusionist Danny Ray. When he spoke with me recently, he discussed his background in that unique form of ministry and shared principles related to his book, No, I Can't Make Your Wife Disappear, A Magician's Guide to a Magical Marriage. From that Meeting House conversation, here now is Danny Ray. Yeah, my wife and I just celebrated 25 years. and Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, as part of that journey, we began to think about how can we give back? We've been to a lot of marriage conferences. I've been a part of a lot of those. I've uh, read a lot of marriage books o- over time, and my wife has as well. And we'll talk about you know the strategies in there and practical tips that we could use in our marriage. And so as we came to toward our 25th, it was like, what would it look like to give back? And so for about two years, we just collected all the different ideas that we've learned. And then we started to put those into a book format. But it, it, when people come to my show, usually they're interested in the magic first in Jesus second, you know, is usually the order, not always for people who know me better. They, they want to hear those messages and how I'm going to kind of inspire, encourage, empower them to be the, the person that God's designed them to be. But with the book, without, we need to start with that same approach with what are the, what are the, what's the overlap between sleight of hand and with biblical principles for marriage. And so we found numerous of those 18 to be exact. And mm, so wow. For example, misdirection, right? Magicians fake left, go right. You know, and everybody thinks it's about focusing on the wrong thing, but a magician actually gets you to focus on the right things so you could experience astonishment and be in that like state of wonder, which is really rare in our culture. 
But the same is true in our marriages. When we focus on the right things, the things that God's purpose for our marriage, we're going to experience more wonder, joy. Yeah. So, and then we talk about mind reading, how to, how to read your spouse's mind, <laughs> talk about the principles um, for that. There's, uh, we talk about how do you thrive in your marriage with, with uh, like standing ovation, right? Uh, when you think about a magician or a performer getting a standing ovation, they've thought that through. They're thinking about the end before they think about the first trick. And so mm-hmm. in our marriages, what's it look like to look at the end and where do we want to end up in, term, in terms of our marriage and how do we start today that leads in a direction that, that leads to that fulfillment? Well, I understand it in the book, you actually have three different sections. One is secrets to communicating effectively. Then there's secrets to overcoming the impossible and secrets to thriving in marriage. I know you've touched on some of that material already, but to take us through that, that outline or that structure of the book and what you wanted to get across. Yeah, it is. My wife and I have done, you know, as a pastor, you end up doing a lot of marriage counseling, both premarital and marital counseling. And so over the years, one of the number one questions that we get is like, how can we communicate better? And so we really wanted to start the book out with that is I think it's a a huge need in, in a relationship is how do we communicate effectively? How do we, you know, do this better? And then with that comes a lot of questions in the bedroom and, and sexual intimacy, but really, and that's chapter six, we, we deal with creating mind-blowing bedroom magic, right? <laughs> uh, but sometimes people will come to us and start there, but we have to start at the beginning. You know, uh, it's been said that uh, that sex starts in the kitchen, right? Is when you're serving well, you're communicating well outside of the bedroom, that's going to lead to better intimacy in the bedroom. So that first section is all about communication. And then we've seen with ourselves and other couples and different stuff we've read is marriage is full of struggle and pain and heartache and things that you will need to overcome the over, you know, when I lost my, my father, you know, that was a, a devastating time when my wife and I went through a, a miscarriage. It was heartbreaking. And how do we move forward? How do we overcome? How do we uh, how do we not attack each other when we're hurt and in a bunch of pain? And so thankfully, through some wise counsel and through some people, you know, coming alongside us, we we learned to overcome. And so we talk about the how do you overcome in that section? And then the last one's all about thriving is how do we thrive in our marriage and just enjoy? And for us, the secret is grace and forgiveness is there's got to be a, t- the more time you spend with somebody, the more grace you're going to need to give them. I can't back out of my driveway without my wife going like, Hey, watch out for babe. I know the fire hydrants there. I know it. You know? <laughs> but we have to show grace and forgiveness continually, which helps to create a, a thriving marriage. Danny Ray here on the intersection. You can find out more by going to the website, dannyraymagic.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. When you go to the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. 
Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.